Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Welcome to the Sports Injury Central Pro Football Doc podcast. I am solo this week scheduling conflicts. We'll miss Thomas Casali uh, this week, but... uh, We'll have producer Justin, our number one guy, Taylor, and Jacob. They'll chime in and, and keep me on track here. But a lot to discuss today in terms of the podcast. We'll talk about the reaction. Uh, and uh, guys, you can tell me how to say the name correctly. The Michigan DN, uh, David Ojabo. Ojabo's good. Ojabo's good. Okay, sounds good. I don't know. I haven't heard his name said, so I don't know. The reaction to the Twitter video, Bucky Brooks and uh, uh, Lou Riddick were very critical. We'll get into that, and it generated some discussion. We'll talk about the Larry Ogunjobi, I think I got that right, failed physical in Chicago uh, after agreed to signing. We'll talk about the quarterback movement, Deshaun Watson and his trade and what it might mean, uh, a lot of downstream meaning there. <laughs> we'll revisit Kenny Pickett's bigger hand size <laughs> from his pro day. Uh, I do want to get in a little tribute to John Clayton, the OG injury guy at some point. We'll talk about a bunch of basketball things too. Ben Simmons, latest, uh, Anthony Davis, even Zion Williamson, Steph Curry. And we'll even cover March Madness a little bit with the UCLA uh, player, uh, and uh, going into the Sweet 16. But also going to bring back what we used to do, which is called the Beast of the Week, and uh, we'll uh, go over that as well, and we'll close with that. So lots to get into today. And uh, like I said, producer Justin Taylor, chime in, keep me on track at any point in time. First off, let's talk about David Ojabo. Here's the video from Bucky Brooks of the workout. It was a passing drill. And no question, our uh, Sports Injury Central guys were on it. And we indicated, even without this clean video, based on reports that he tore his Achilles because it was a pass rush drill, eccentric load. And this is what raised the controversy here as you look at this video. Bucky Brooks, respect him. Lewis Riddick, respect him as well immensely. I know the NFL is a cold business, but watching the lack of concern or empathy from the scouts, coaches, and observers following David Ojabo's injury bugs me. Perhaps someone should have checked on him instead of grabbing the ball and moving to the next drill. Just a thought. Look, I get that. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to have, you know, Taylor and Justin chime in. But here's my point. I get this is a bad look. But that's just not how the NFL works. And I get you want to show compassion and other things. But, you know, this video, I think, can be deceiving. Uh, Yeah, the guy, the strength coach or whoever it is that's running that drill, he's probably just getting the ball out of the way. But it's certainly a bad look that he doesn't stop. It's almost Matthew Stafford-esque when the photographer 
fell off the stage. We'll get into that. But let's talk about some of the replies and things that I got. Yeah, they showed more concern for the football. Yeah, I get that. But, you know, what's that strength and conditioning coach or a guy who's running the drill going to do? If anything, he's getting the football out of the way. Here's my take on it. The video cuts off very quickly after he falls down and grabs at his ankle slash Achilles. And you don't see what happens in the next couple of seconds. So literally, he's on the ground for about three seconds. And the coaches and scouts, you have to understand, that's how they're wired in the sense that they're not supposed to jump in. There's certain roles. I get the idea of compassion. And I would hope if there was a Michigan coach standing there, someone who knew the player, that they would show a lot of compassion. But the athletic trainer is coming. Like, there's not like 17 drills going on at the same, t same time. And, you know, one of the things you always say is, you know, until you know what the injury is, don't move the guy. Don't do anything wrong. And so if someone gets up to him and says, uh, gee, are you okay? Well, obviously he's not, right? I mean, he's hurting. He fell down. And uh, what is a scout or coach really going to do for the guy? And so I get the compassion side. I mean, in some ways, it's like Matthew Stafford on that Ram stage when he turned away when the photographer fell. Yeah, you'd love him to do something, but there you could say at least Matthew Stafford, maybe medical didn't see the fall, so he could have garnered the attention. Here, clearly, the athletic trainer saw what was going on. The pro days are monitored by the athletic training and, uh, and medical staff. So he was going to get help. And what are you going to do? Besides, think about it this way. If you're injured and, uh, you know, if it's your friend, your buddy, your family member, your coach comes up to you, I think that's great. But do you really want random strangers coming up to you and checking on you? I don't know. I mean, look, here's the analogy. And this is not an NFL sideline, but it's certainly a structured event here. I mean... There are lots of times that, let's say in an NFL game, everything is very structured. And yes, people have said, yeah, even the opposing player will sometimes help a guy who's down. Why did these coaches or scouts, even, you know, an opposing athletic trainer might come out and help. Opposing athletic trainers do come out and help if they're very near their sideline and there's a few, uh, you know, a five-second gap before the player comes, uh, et cetera. Sorry, the athletic trainer comes from, from his own team. But there, you're on the, quote, battlefield together, so an opponent helping you, you're understanding. But like this is like almost like a guy jumping off the sideline or the stands that you don't know and jumping in. I, I, I don't know. I get the idea of the look, but let me tell you something. On an NFL sideline, medical's medical. Get back guys are get back guys. Coaches are coaches. Ball boys are ball boys. Equipment guys are equipment guys. I mean, there have been occasions where I get a clean look at a play because it happens to be close to me. And I think perhaps our team should have challenged or should challenge. It's not my role to yell challenge. It was a fumble. This, that. I mean, it's just not my role to, to yell that out. And if I did that, because there's other people whose job it is to watch for that, I think they would be probably <laughs> mad at me. There's, there's just roles. So I don't know that this was lack of compassion, but I see all the comments in here. 
Yes, they do have medical staff on the scene, but the video cuts out. Watching the video, not not being obviously you've been involved in these situations, but watching the video as like somebody who's never been to one of these events, it does look like it does look kind of cold, you know, because you've never seen that scenario before. But I will say there were follow up photographs that were initially tweeted after all that was done where he's surrounded by people. Right. So like the photos that you see, like like he's down on the ground. And he's surrounded by, you know, like a dozen people. So they did eventually come over. But yeah, it, it, I guess it. who does it fall on initially to sprint over? And how fast are they going to come running? So, yeah. Well, yeah. no question to the general population. And that's why I tweeted, I get this is a bad look. But I, I think it's quite a leap to say that this is, you know, coaches and scouts not showing any compassion. I mean, it's just not not your your <clears throat> their deal to do so there's athletic trainers there monitoring this okay they're coming across the field right now and the, and the video cuts off really quickly and and i know he got tended to and and you know look if there's if a guy walking down the street hurts himself and there's no one around yes i would expect every coach scout you or i justin or anybody to go at least take a look and help him out until the ambulance gets there, until medical personnel gets there. But this is a witnessed event from the athletic trainer. So I put this in the category of bad look, but I don't know that this shows that the NFL scouts and coaches are heartless. And, you know, I even see things like this is like modern day slave auction. I just don't see that here, knowing how, how it works and, uh, and, uh, and what have you. But I don't know that I've convinced anybody, but that's just my uh, my take on the thing right there. Well, the one thing too, Doc, Lewis Riddick's a former defensive player, so anytime a defensive player gets hurt, of course, a D back, he gets passionate about it. So I would expect I wouldn't expect anything less from. Yeah, but you know, uh, I mean, Lewis Riddick, I really respect the guy. I love his analysis, and he's been up for GM jobs. Absolutely, I think he would know this, right? And you know, I don't mm-hmm. know, and Bucky Brooks, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not trying to criticize anybody here. It's just, uh, you know, look, I find the actual combine process potentially more offensive where, you know, you're running guy guy after guy through and, and you really don't have time to say hello and, and ask him how he's doing. You just kind of get to it. That in some ways is more offensive than this. I mean, I think the athletic trainer comes in real quickly. He's clearly grabbing at his uh, ankle, leg, or Achilles. It's not like he passed out and isn't moving, and, and one of the coaches or scouts can do CPR for like five or ten seconds before someone gets there, right? I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, having been, maybe I'm callous because I've been in the league or, or something, but I, I didn't see it as egregious as the general public probably saw it, but that's just my, my take. All right, moving on to the next subject here. Um, Larry Ogunjobi, he failed his physical. Look, free agent signing period, you agree to terms. Look, you agree to terms and you're not even signed for two days, right? It's the legal tampering window. So a player or a team could change their mind. Now, it would be bad form if he did so, but this is not bad form on the part of the Chicago Bears. Because they seemed to intend to sign him, but when they brought him in for the physical, Larry Ogunjobi ended the year not on the playing field. He did not play in the Super Bowl. It's one of the reasons we said that uh, the uh, Bengals' offensive line was going to be an issue. And um, 
it seems that he has a list Frank injury on that foot. And the Bears potentially saw something they didn't love. Maybe it's continuing widening. Sometimes you hear things like, you know, you have a broken screw. Who, who knows? But it is absolutely their right, if in good faith they found something on the physical, to decide that they don't want Ogunjobi under these terms and perhaps not at that money, right? Um, if they used it as a shenanigan to get out of it, that's not good at all. I don't have any indication of that. But that's the process. That's why I say no trade is complete without a physical. And we'll get to that again with Ben Simmons and James Harden later on. Now, the last time this notably happened was Roger Saffold with the then Oakland Raiders and the then St. Louis Rams. The uh, guard was agreed to for a big deal early on in the free agency period, shows up a, a day or two later in Oakland, gets the physical and fails it. There, we knew he had a shoulder instability problem, a labral tear. He's been playing with a harness all season. But Oakland decided with that labral tear, they didn't want to pass him. That doesn't mean Saffold can't play football. That doesn't mean Ogunjobi can't be ready to play football. It just means the, the, the signing team didn't like what they saw. Now, in the Roger Saffold situation, and I wrote about it extensively, you can Google it, what happened in Oakland, et cetera. Uh, Yahoo Sports picked it up and other things. But in any case, the St. Louis Rams re-signed Roger Saffold. Uh, uh, he didn't necessarily get the same amount of money, but in the old May theory, the Rams already knew about the problem. The Rams are always responsible for the problem. The last team to sign a player is now responsible for the problem. And Oakland just decided they didn't want to manage it. So failed physical doesn't mean they can't play football, that they won't be ready to play football, or that their career is done. That's not what failed physical means. Failed physical just means the team doesn't accept the player given that physical. And that nulls and voids a trade that, you know, uh, makes any free agent signing null and void. And that's always a team's prerogative. And like I said, we'll get into it, Ben Simmons, with his herniated disc uh, later on. But nothing nefarious there. It's just an unusual situation. That's always the case. The signing team always has that right. And I'm not saying that Ogunjobi won't play this year uh, at all. I mean, he may go back to Cincinnati. That would be uh, uh, great there uh, for him. I was going to ask, is that the better option, going back to Cincinnati? What's that? Is going back to Cincinnati the best option because they own his uh, his uh, you know medical records? Like, is that best for him? I, I don't know. I mean, it's totally possible another team looks at him and looks over the physical and says, "We'll take him and take the risk." Uh, and look, our next topic: teams were falling over themselves to sign Deshaun Watson, and we all know some sort of suspension is coming, right? And uh, look, we talk about. Okay, let's talk about Ojabo. That doesn't mean he's not draftable with the Achilles. A team can still draft him and know that he's not going to be ready start of the season. Maybe he comes back a little late season. It's a redshirt signing or redshirt draft pick. Look, even if Ogunjobi isn't ready this entire season, and I'm not saying that's the case, someone will still likely sign him, but at what price? And I don't know contracts well enough, but 
if the Bears or some team paid full price for a three or four year deal, I don't know what the terms were, and they were really going to get, you know, three and a half years or three years out of them instead of the full four, that may change the terms of the deal. And that may be where the physical fail physical happens. So look, Cincinnati's a strong option. It depends on if they want him back, but in terms of medical, but other teams are options too. So it's not the end of his career. All right, so let's move on to the Deshaun Watson trade. A lot of dominoes falling. Look, Deshaun Watson, a year off. Obviously, a lot of teams. Saints wanted him. Falcons wanted him. Colt, the uh, Browns wanted him. The Colts wanted him, but that was in division, so that wasn't going to happen. The Panthers wanted him. And look at the dominoes that have fallen as a result of this. All the... I'm not going to Cleveland. The Baker Mayfield clearly was gone after that. And now Cleveland last minute did get him. Matt Ryan, as a result, Domino got traded. And Jameis Winston signed with the Saints. So that's a lot of dominoes. The only one that still hasn't fallen is Carolina, and that was Sam Darnold. So who knows what they're they're up to still. There was no hurry. But essentially, the... As a result of pursuing Deshaun Watson slash going a different direction, arguably, and you guys can agree with me or not, guys, I would say Matt Ryan might be the best player in Atlanta Falcons franchise history. Is that too much to say, guys? I mean, he might be. I can I can take it. Yeah, right. I think I think that's definitely I, I would agree with that. Uh, much to my friend's chagrin, he's a Falcons fan, and and he will debate it to the end of time. He thinks Matt Ryan was a waste. He like he, no one. I feel like he is very underappreciated in Atlanta. But the, the guy won an MVP. He made it to a Super Bowl. Yes, it, they collapsed significantly, but other teams would kill for that opportunity to have a player of his caliber. And now he's gone. And and. We'll I know I know Atlanta Falcons fans that are happy about it. And I'm like, yeah, be careful what you wish for. Statistically, he clearly is the best player of all time for the for the Falcons, right? I mean, I mean, uh over Work done. done is kind of close second, right? Work done, maybe a close second. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to look at the stats, but bottom line is the best player in franchise history, or potentially the best player, or someone on the Mount Rushmore of Falcons best ever was traded very quickly for a third-round draft pick. I mean, that seems – yeah, I get there's contractual issues and money and they're, they're in a team rebuild and there's other factors, but that's quite a big domino to fall just because the Falcons couldn't go forward with him because they openly courted – it's like – it's like being married to somebody and then you're openly flirting with someone else. That marriage kind of comes to an end, right? I mean, and, and that's kind of what happened with Matt Ryan. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting there because think about this. Effectively, what the Colts did, even though they couldn't get into the Deshaun Watson thing, effectively, okay, they got rid of Carson Wentz. It's a whole different story. And now they have Matt Ryan. So if you take out the trade parameters, I mean, they traded Carson Wentz for a second, a third, maybe another second. Uh, you know, the sum depends on how much he plays, et cetera. And Carson Wentz is younger. Matt Ryan's a little older. But they basically traded Carson Wentz, 
it would be a it would be a virtual three way deal. But they basically traded Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan, and they got a uh, second day pick or two for it, net right? Because I think there was three picks coming to them from Washington, and they moved one of the third rounders to to Atlanta to get Matt Ryan. So they got Carson Wentz for Matt Ryan and two picks. You know, for the short term, that certainly is not a bad deal for for them. So that's one of the interesting sidelights of of that. The other one is, and the other domino to fall very quickly there is the Falcons immediately signed Marcus Mariota. Now it's essentially a one year prove it deal, but I don't know a reunion with Arthur Smith that might not be the worst thing in the world for Mariota or the Falcons. It doesn't mean they're not going to draft a quarterback and what have you, but Mar- Marcus Mariota might make a rebound at Sports Injury Central and, and at Pro Football Doc. We we covered, you know, towards the end of his time with the Titans, Marcus Mariota had a significant ulnar nerve issue where he couldn't grip the ball and he couldn't throw it. And I don't want to reveal any sources because I don't have any permission, but I had a discussion with someone who would know the details. Uh, intimately and they said to me recently yes he couldn't really grip and throw the ball for eight to ten games that season and I think that led somewhat to the souring of Mariota's time in Tennessee with the Raiders he didn't really get too much of a chance whenever he got in and did well he he got injured a little bit and so maybe this is a resurrection of uh, Marcus Mariota by the way, I, I, I hadn't known him at all, but I met him not that long ago. And he's a lot bigger and taller than I think people think, or at least what I think. I mean, he's he's a big guy. He's tall. He's a big guy. Obviously very athletic. And so lots of fallout from there, including Deshaun Watson got a $230 million guarantee. The, the, the contract was fully guaranteed. Patrick Mahomes didn't get a fully guaranteed contract. This... I don't know, might change the way the NFL does business. NBA contracts are guaranteed. Baseballs are guaranteed. NFL contracts were never guaranteed. There was the total and then the guaranteed portion. This one, it matches up. And I think it's really interesting that teams are that aggressively pursuing Watson. Look, there's no there's no criminal for now. I mean, and hopefully there won't be. But there's still 22 lawsuits, even if, 17 of them were false. There's still five that he's dealing with, civil lawsuits. I guess teams are confident he's not going to get a lot of uh, uh, long suspension. They're all jumping in. I think one of the most interesting parts about that whole saga was Cleveland, as far as you knew, up until like days, the day before that he signed, Cleveland was out. Cleveland was out of the running, and it was just the Saints and the Falcons that were remaining on the list. But I think what you're seeing with this this contract and why it looks so obscene is because their relationship obviously with Baker Mayfield soured and Baker Mayfield wasn't going to play for them anymore. So they had to come back to the table with an, uh, an obscene offer to get back on, on Deshaun Watson's radar. And I really think that was that was the turning point where it was basically like, we'll just give you everything we can, anybody could give you. And they just basically bought out the decision from the Falcons and the Saints. Yeah, you know, of course, it's being spun as there was a change of heart from Deshaun Watson in terms of the talent that Cleveland had. But you might be right, Justin. And so, what you're suggesting is that uh, 
Deshaun Watson owes the three percent his agent would get to to Baker Mayfield? Because... Uh, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> that might be, it might be his agent. You don't know. Right? <laughs> who, who 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 knows? I mean, uh, yeah, it's but yeah, he got the guaranteed deal. It, look, who knows what's going to happen? I, I, you know, Big Ben got six games for his one incident back in the day, and now the Me Too stuff, and everyone's way more aware. I'm not saying there's 22 actual incidents, but there's certainly more than one. How much is Deshaun Watson going to get? Who knows? But it seems like teams are confident it's not going to be, certainly not going to be a death sentence. And who who knows how long it'll be, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be long term. Now, maybe hidden in the contract is there's language if he does get, something does happen and he does get suspended Houston has to give back draft picks. I, I, I have no idea. I don't know. But the most interesting thing on this, and let's get back on track for what we do, Sports Injury Central. Who is the guy that's ready to be traded? Who is the guy whose team is dying to trade him? And you haven't heard boo. That would be Jimmy are we talking G. About- <laughs> I mean, yes, we are. and as we said, and we put out video, and Justin will put it up on here and you can go to it. Jimmy G's shoulder injury and surgery is not a nothing. I'm not saying he won't be ready, but no team is going to trade some for somebody and give up anything to get a quarterback coming off a week off of shoulder surgery, especially when we suspect there's involvement with the rotator cuff. They're going to want to see him throw. Now, the initial estimates came out, oh, it's no big deal, shoulder surgery, he'll throw by July 1. Immediately after surgery, it was, oh, it's no big deal, he'll be ready by training camp. (laughs) Teams aren't going to – remember what we talked about with Ogunjobi, you got to pass a physical, right? And right now, we're not hearing much about Jimmy G. He's sort of – in the game of musical chairs, he's not, you know, running around trying to sit down. The music's stopping, and he's not – you know, in the game right now, and so yeah, it we'll feels see. like the it feels like the 49ers were kind of playing chicken, or they were playing way. I don't know what they're waiting on, but they're going to be left holding the bag of Jimmy G. Like, what's left? They like you said, the Falcons signed Mariota. There's not a lot of teams that are looking for for his services anymore. Well, well, Justin, I don't think it's the 49ers' choice here. I don't think there are any takers or anyone offering anything to for Jimmy G, given contracts and other things, but without knowing what the outcome of the shoulder surgery is, right? I mean, right. I don't think it's the 49ers not taking deals and losing out. I don't think anyone's offering anything. And, That's fair. And look, the way it works in media and other things, if someone were offering something, I guarantee you there'd be a leak. Oh, there's activity on Jimmy G to try and get other people to get going on it, right? To get into a bidding war, to get the price that they want. But I don't think there's any activity on him because of the shoulder. That's why I say I thought the shoulder surgery was a big deal here. So let me ask you this. If if they if they wind up it's it's day one of the NFL season and they still have Jimmy G on the roster, what do you do they start him? Like I mean, is he still the starter? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, who, who knows? Maybe later on, you know, uh, the Bruce Arians, uh, Tom Brady goes awry and there's, there's Tom Brady to San Francisco and Jimmy G to Tampa. Who knows? It's been a crazy off season, right? Yeah. Um, you know, but, but remember what we said, Justin? Like, okay, going back, we said that the 49ers were hiding behind injury on Jimmy G going back two years because, with that high ankle. 
And we said it in a podcast with Lonnie Paxton, and he kind of agreed. And then a month later, came news of three first-round picks to move up to the third spot, and they're going to draft a quarterback. So they clearly had soured on Jimmy G a little bit, and we saw it from the injuries. And this playoffs, we said, they don't love Trey Lance right now. Because if Trey Lance were a viable option, they would have played him over an injured Jimmy G with the onoclotal ligament in his thumb and then the shoulder injury that we talked about. But they were more willing to play an injured Jimmy G than a healthy Trey Lance. What does that tell you? They don't love Trey Lance right now. Maybe they don't trust him as a rookie in the playoffs. They didn't think he was ready. And admittedly, he hasn't. Trey Lance hasn't played a lot of football with COVID and the small school. So they say they still like him for the future. But let me tell you, if he wasn't ready at the end of his rookie season, is he ready at the start of his second season? An offseason is going to mature him that much or make him ready? I, I don't know. So who knows what's going to happen there? But yeah, I would like to think. And, and, but this is where downstream and injuries can, can make a difference. Right. I'd like to think you pick a quarterback, number three overall, that the following season you'd like to at least start the transition. And yeah. if Jimmy G's still there, I'd you got to make a decision whether or not to give Trey Lance first team reps. It, you know, in the off season, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. That's going to be a mess, I think, to follow. Leading well, into the you know, I have a lot of respect for John Lynch. He's a San Diegan. I think he's a very smart guy. I think they'll figure out what they're going to do along with Kyle Shanahan. But, but yeah, from the outside now, I mean, they probably have a plan on the inside. As I always say, if it looks a mess from the outside or something doesn't look right, there's probably a plan on the inside or something that we don't know. Moving on to Kenny's picket, he just had his pro day, and apparently his hand, quote, grew by an eighth of an inch. Don't buy it. I mean, look, an eighth, keep going. An, an eighth of an inch is measuring error, okay? <laughs> I mean, and and it's still smaller than nine inches, but I did see pictures of Kenny Pickett's thumb, and, and Justin, maybe you'll cut it in here, where he clearly can't open up his thumb that, that far, and he's showing it to scouts. And remember, you measure from tip of the pinky finger to tip of the thumb. So if your thumb isn't that mobile, you're going to measure shorter, but that doesn't mean your hand is smaller. And uh, remember, your thumb is flexed when you're gripping the football. But the big deal is they would just wanted to see him throw because the NFL football is a little bit bigger than the college football. I'm sure he showed that he could throw. Um, and... Uh, but I, so far, I don't see all the glowing reports that you usually hear. You know, oh, he completed, you know, 37 out of 37 passes or something. You know, you always hear that after pro days. But we haven't heard too much there. I'm not saying he did poorly, but that's why it was a big deal. They wanted to see him throw. It's not necessarily the, the hand size. Hey, Doc, before you go on to another, um, there's another pro day on Wednesday, which is a big one, Matt Corral with his ankle. So that would be a good one also for us, too, to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, we'll well. look at that. But I don't – I mean, he's going to be fine. It was a high ankle sprain, six weeks. He didn't – he wasn't going to throw at combine anyways. He wants to throw to his own receivers in a scripted fashion. The the, the ankle – I don't have any issue about Matt Corral and his ankle and that whole he shouldn't play in, in uh, bowl games. Well, that's up to the player. I, I think he's he's fine. Before we get off of football and get, we got lots of NBA stuff, I want to take a minute just to mention John Clayton a little bit. I mean, John Clayton, I mean, to me, is the, uh, is the OG, I mean, the professor. 
Yeah, not just the Slayer commercial, whatever, but he was the first injury guy uh, that really paid attention to injuries. And, uh, you know, when I first started and then I was on my couch doing this, he was on my injury list because there'd be, you know, eight, 10 games going on. We didn't have our command center and the whole deal. It was hard to skip around to games. And I always followed John Clayton because whenever there was a player injured, he would tweet on it in game. I don't know how he did it. I mean, watching all the games and he would clue me in. And, you know, when, I, when I've been lucky enough to go to Super Bowls and be credentialed, I, I met John on, on multiple occasions and I told him about my following him and he was super nice. I mean, you know, the best part about I'm lucky to have known John Clayton and he certainly was super nice to me and I'm in, indebted to him for that. But as it turns out, it wasn't just me. He was nice to everybody, right? You see all the 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 remembrances of John Clayton, never a bad word about the guy. He was an obsessed football guy. He was into injuries. He's the OG of injuries. He just happened to be nice to me, but he was nice to everybody. And uh, kudos to John Clayton. And, and I'll say this privately here. I didn't want to put it on Twitter, but I feel like this podcast audience and you guys know me and whatever, but I didn't want to put this out there on Twitter as he passed away is that one of the biggest compliments I think I've ever gotten in, in my quote media life is John Clayton after ESPN was starting a subscription site and injuries were going to be a part of it and he called me and said you're the first one I'm calling and I want you on board with this effort and I was really flattered by that because to me he's the the OG of injuries um, going back in the day so uh condolences to his family and uh the professor was a good dude uh, nice to everybody um switching on to some basketball stuff final four we tweeted this in the timeline jaime Hakez jr his sixth score right now is 81 i think it could go up into the mid or high 80s look at the video there and, and we can go over it there but confident that he's going to return to play not just because the coach says so but if you look at his history, he's had a number of high of regular ankle sprains. This is a low inversion ankle sprain, and uh, he's recovered quickly. And this time didn't look that bad. He didn't come back into the game, but UCLA was comfortably ahead. He's got a week until that UNC game, uh, old school UCLA versus North Carolina, right? And uh, I think he's going to play and be reasonably effective. Maybe not quite a hundred percent. Uh, but I think he's going to play and, uh, and do well. Other uh, news, NBA news, uh, you know, got to hand it to you, Taylor and Jacob and the guys and Zach and Thomas, Justin. You know, we called it, right, and with the pro basketball docs. Uh, ben Simmons now admittedly has a herniated disc, and we talked about it earlier before the news. With the epidural, that meant herniated disc. So hopefully the symptoms can go away. Hopefully he can return to play. But heck, I don't know. Surgery isn't off the table for a herniated disc. And of course, the question is, didn't the Nets team physicians see this on a physical? Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak for them. But look, remember, Ben Simmons potentially had an issue. And James Harden had the hamstring issue. Harden's done fine. But... There's a lot of times the MRI may show a herniated disc, but it's not symptomatic. A lot of people have quote a herniated disc that's not symptomatic. So maybe they saw that and it wasn't symptomatic at the time and now it is. 
I can't speak to that, but yes, the Nets got a physical and passed him. Or maybe they were just so de- desperate to get rid of James Harden that they were going to take their chances with Ben Simmons. Worst case scenario, uh, he ends up not playing the season. He has surgery and he's still fine for next year. So, you know, if you evaluate the trade uh, in, you know, this season, clearly the Sixers got the better part of the deal. But if you evaluate it long term, who knows? Ben Simmons is still young. So, yes, there was a physical. Other NBA news, it's now been reported by Shams Charnia of The Athletic, a lot more sources than us, certainly in the NBA, that Zion's season is essentially done. And if you go back to Sports Injury Central, we started writing that in December that his season was essentially done. And uh, the second surgery has not been announced that we've been worried about, but Zion's season's essentially done. Go to Sports Injury Central, SICscore.com, and and you can find all that. Yeah, that was one I was kind of holding out hope for because the Pelicans actually were kind of getting within range of like the play-in games, right? So the timelines would have synced up if, you know, obviously the dream would have been Zion actually comes back and then maybe there's like a a narrative where Zion actually carries them into the real playoffs, but uh, obviously that dream is now dead. Well... You know, we won't even get into potential weight issues, right? I mean, the bottom line is when you have a setback on a stress fracture of your foot, it's not good news. So we'll we'll see how that all works out. Uh, Steph Curry has me a little bit worried. Uh, we initially thought he'd be ready for the playoffs. The way he spoke in his last interview where he's talking about ligaments and the bone and other things, uh, we're so hopeful he's back by the playoffs, but at this point, I don't know that it's a guarantee. You know, of course, I haven't seen x-rays or an MRI or anything like that, but uh, reassess in two weeks and see. And at this point, uh, I thought he could be back in three weeks. I think uh, that over-under is probably pushed back, and we'll see if he's back for the first round. Of course, the Warriors probably can get through the first round without him, maybe. We'll see. Um, And LeBron, you know, takes some time off, but comes back, but... I saw some Anthony Davis video and and shoot arounds. I admit, admittedly, it's just a shoot around, but he seems to still favor that right foot uh, midfoot injury. So he still may be uh, a little ways a little ways off. Any other news you guys want to cover before we? Uh, anything you guys want to talk about before we end with the beast of the week? And to me, this is and, and any anything you guys want to say or chime in with. Uh, no, I mean, just uh, the Anthony Davis thing, obviously the Lakers have been just, it's been hard to watch, quite honestly, for this for recently. However, they won a game the other night. Russell Westbrook actually had a decent game, and, and now they've won two in a row. This is kind of, uh, kind of a nice little turnaround for them. Well, I feel like they're on, they're on another path right now, but I feel like uh, they're still within play-in range. It's hard to count out LeBron, but if Anthony Davis can come back in any capacity – it might, it might actually be perfect timing for them. Maybe. And, and it just, well, you, you know, does, does, if LeBron wants it, he will perform, right? So. Right. Beginning of the season, remember the Nets and the Lakers are both the best teams, and look at them now, and that's all because of injuries, yeah. right? Yeah, so, and we point, I mean, that's no question. I mean, I think, you know, in the East it was the Nets, and in the West it was the Lakers favored to meet each other. And right now they're both in, you know, that play-in sort of area. All right? Uh I'll bet you guys can't guess who the beast of the week is. Oh, boy. I got nothing. You got nothing. 
Well, there's no really – usually we do it off of injury video when someone does something like, you know, Eric Weddle would have been beast of the week for playing through in the Super Bowl uh, with a torn pec, right, and having surgery. And not to mention he probably would have been multiple weeks for being 37 and coming off the couch and the whole thing. But this one really caught my eye. I thought it was really, really interesting. And the beast of the week here – look, he was beast of last season – is – Micah Parsons of the Cowboys. Why? If you look at this tweet here, here it is for the audio listeners. Dallas Cowboys owner GM Jerry Jones this morning on 105.3 The Fan said, quote, we met with Tyron Matthew this weekend. Micah Parsons. Micah or Micah? Anyways. I think it's Micah, yeah. Micah Micah Parsons. Micah. Micah told Tyron all about modeling his play after him. And the two of them talked football for close to two hours. Hashtag Cowboys Nation, hashtag NFL Free Agency. Micah Parsons quote tweets that and says, this is not true, exclamation, exclamation. But we would love to have him, exclamation, exclamation. (laughs) That is amazing. That is a beast. He called out Jerry Jones. Is GM and owner. I mean, I am a big fan of Mike Parsons. I was already, but this is amazing to just flat out call out his owner that this is a lie. This is not true. I mean, that's just amazing. Look, we talk about in medicine all the time at Sports Injury Central, coach speak, GM speak, owner speak. We all know there's spin involved. And Dr. Jerry obviously has his spin on medical. And look, he's got to spin on a couple of things, right? I mean, he's talking about two hours. And, and I wish Thomas was on this, the Cowboys fan. He, he would have a lot to say about Jerry. But his defense, his rookie of the year, right? Mika Parsons, the future of the franchise, the whole deal, called out his owner right there. And I think that's just flat out amazing. That's a bold move for sure. I, I feel like Jerry Jones is one of those dudes that, like, especially if you're if you're playing on his team, you just don't mess with the guy, right? He's almost like a, like a mafia boss. It's like he just kind of does his thing. You do it. You do your thing. But that, yeah, that's a bold move. I've never. I don't think I've yeah, seen but, that. You know, here's the thing. Uh, Jerry's often said uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity, and he probably likes the discussion. And he, you know, he's from Texas, a tall tale here. No, his Jerry Jones legend will just grow from this, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, what are you going to do to the guy? The guy is a beast, uh, Parsons. So, I mean, but I just think it's hilarious that he just quote tweeted that and said that flat out. (laughs) Um, Anyways, um, uh, that usually the beast of the week directly has to do with this one. I was just like, this was uh, Parsons, Micah Parsons, you're a beast. You're our beast of the week here. All right, guys. Thomas, we missed you here. We'll have you back. Sorry about the scheduling. Thank you, uh, Taylor, Justin. Uh, appreciate you guys. And uh, that's it for the Pro Football Doc Sports Injury Central podcast for this week. Uh, thanks for listening and watching. Go to SICscore.com, NBA stuff, uh, March Madness stuff, football free agency stuff, pro days, uh, everything that you need, and baseball series and things coming up as baseball gets going here. Thanks for listening and watching. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.